Hello, I'm Kevin Richard. Well, Idahoans really aren't sure about the direction their state is heading. They have some real concerns about the economy, and they have some definite opinions about where Idaho should put its education dollars. Those are a few takeaways from the 8th Annual Idaho Public Policy Survey. Boise State University conducted the survey in November. They were out in the field doing the surveying, and they released the numbers in January. I had a chance this week to talk to Dr. Matthew May. He is the uh, Survey Research Director for Boise State's School of Public Service. We dive into the numbers and what they mean. Here's our conversation. Well, Dr. May, thanks again for taking the time to talk to us about this year's version of the Idaho uh, Public Policy Survey. (laughs) Kind of a Debbie Downer message from survey respondents this time around. I mean, especially when asked about the direction the state is going. I mean, talk about those numbers and what you think, uh, what do you think it means? Sure, well, I'm happy to be here. And um, yeah, it was kind of a surprising result um, from our perspective. I mean, in part, we've seen kind of the trending downward answer between uh, the proportion of Idahoans that thought the state was headed in the right direction versus those that thought that it was off on the wrong track. So we weren't necessarily surprised to see the downward trend continue, but getting as close as it was, especially in conjunction with some of the other uh, questions that we asked this year about expectations looking to the future, was a little surprising um, because we weren't quite expecting this level of concern that uh, uh, Idahoans may have about the future. So like specifically, you know, the fact that we've gone from a 30 point gap between the right direction, wrong track answer four years ago to a um, less than three point gap this year, which is within our margin of error, Mm -hmm. um, which means that for the first time in our eight year history of doing this survey, um, it's a statistical tie between those two answers. We weren't quite expecting things to get that close. And it it does suggest that uh, Idahoans have uh, significant concerns about the overall direction of the state and uh, specifically surrounding uh, their situation in the future. Yeah, and I was going to say, probably related, you know, the survey respondents kind of took a dim view of the economic future, uh, where they think the economy is going to go in the next couple of years, concerns about rents, concerns about gas prices. That's all got to kind of feed into the malaise somewhat, doesn't it? it you would expect it would. And, and that's partly where, um, you know, some of those questions we've asked in the past, and um, we kind of put them aside for a few years as we focused on some more COVID pandemic specific questions. And we kind of took them out of the reserve and asked them again. And in the time since we last asked them, um, answers had completely flipped where you had a more optimistic view of the economy, you know, maybe three years ago. Now it's a more of a pessimistic view, almost completely reversed. And we weren't quite expecting that full reversal, but it does suggest that um, there are a range of issues that could play into this we know that the concerns there now um it could be kind of uh a hangover from the pandemic or just kind of an outgrowth of a lot of the concerns that were uh arising during the pandemic it could be tapping into more national trends there could be a whole host of uh, explanations going on for why idahoans necessarily feel this way but because we weren't expecting quite this response from them. Um, we didn't have enough questions necessarily to tease out the specific reason they feel this way. And so that's something that we're going to be looking into, I think, as we start developing next year's survey. And yet, in spite of all of this, eighth consecutive year in this survey that education ranked as respondents' top priority. And it's outside of the margin for error. I mean, there's concern about jobs in the economy and, and housing, but 
education still ranks as Idaho's top concerns. And it feels like under these circumstances, that's almost a surprise in and of itself. Yeah, that's one of the responses that has been surprisingly consistent across all eight years that we've asked this question. You know, we asked um, Idahoans to rate on a scale of one to 10 how important they consider it is for the legislature to address these issues. And education has been the top response um, every single year that we've asked this. Now, it is kind of an umbrella term and we, and through that question, we don't quite get into what specifically under that umbrella of education um, they're interested in. Um, in the same way we don't with any of the other policy areas we ask about, but um, it's very clear that education is the top priority among Idahoans. It's always been the top priority. And so while even though we see this kind of reversal on some of those economic and future focused questions, education has been one of those constants that's uh, remained uh, consistently at the top of uh, every Idahoans list of priorities. And y'all drilled down into education quite a bit. And I know which questions I found to be most interesting. But before I, I go there, what education findings uh, stood out to you when the numbers came in? Um, I think the thing that uh, one of the things that I think was particularly interesting for us to do this year was that um, because we've had that kind of umbrella term, we were really interested in kind of giving the Idahoans uh, the opportunity to say exactly what they mean by education. So what is the top education priority for them? And that's something that we've been able to kind of uh, rack and stack and, and, and categorize these open-ended responses. So without giving them any prompts, the number one issue that everybody kind of gravitated, gravitated towards had to do with the academics themselves, you know, they, they wanted more STEM courses, they wanted more, um, you know, the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic. They wanted more um, classes that, that kind of taught the basics and really focused on that kind of education piece of education, um, more so than the other stuff. But that was about a quarter of all Idahoans gave some answer, like, that's the top priority. Um, about 17%, this, the next highest response um, was about supporting teachers. That was about improving the workforce. It was attracting and retaining quality educators. It was increasing teachers' pay. Um, and then the, the third highest response was uh, academic quality matters. 13% uh, answered that. And that had to deal with um, you know in, improving test scores, kind of in lowering student-to-teacher ratios so that you're improving the qualitative experience within the classroom rather than the subjects being taught. And those three, um, academics, teacher support, and academic quality were far and away like the top three responses we received when uh, Idahoans had no prompts and were just free to kind of say what came on the top of their mind. And in that open-ended question, it seemed like the more hot-button education topics, wherever you come down on the spectrum, those were a lesser concern. People were less concerned one way or the other about some of these more emotional, visceral uh, topics. Yeah, when we um, drilled out the responses that brought up things like critical race theory or woke ideology or anything mm -hmm. of that nature, it only amounted to a, a little under 6% of the overall responses. So it wasn't high on the priority, at least as far as Idahoans saying what the top priority was. Right. They were more concerned about these other matters, the, the actual academics um, and teacher support and the quality of education more so than specific programmatic changes. Another question where that teacher support element came in was when you asked uh, respondents about the $330 million that the legislature appropriated in September. When you gave uh, respondents a list, a menu of topics uh, where to best spend that money, 
increasing teacher pay was the top choice, and it wasn't even all that close. No, it, it wasn't close. It was uh, far and away the top response. 37% of Idahoans picked that as the, the top use of that $330 million. Um, only about the next highest was about 21%. So there was almost a 20 point gap between those two answers, but improving the curriculum came in second place. Reducing classroom sizes, again, kind of going to that qualitative aspect was uh, in third place with 17%. And then adopting sc the school choice proposals came in uh, fourth place with only 12% of uh, Idahoans picking that as the best use of that $330 million. And worth noting, because you did the survey in November, well before uh, Governor Little came out with his proposals for that $330 million, what respondents said and what the governor came out with in January in terms of making a teacher salary increases the top priority, uh, more or less in line. Yeah. Yep, they were. Yeah, we we went to field right after election day um, last November, right before Thanksgiving. So kind of in that uh, period right there, and uh, for the most part, these uh, opinions were uh, consistent and and not necessarily about matters that were likely to be particularly volatile or change week to week based on that. But um, it's more or less in line, I think, with. Uh, or rather, the, the governor's speech was more or less in line with where uh, Idahoans were on the um, overall ranking of their priorities for what to do with that $330 million uh, compared to some of the other proposals out there. And in that same question, you talked about the school choice. Uh, expansion of school choice came in as uh, the fourth choice, the fourth option uh, among uh, respondents about where to spend that $330 million. In spite of all of this talk about school choice, that would suggest that there isn't a whole lot of, you know, that the issue hasn't really caught fire with a lot of Idahoans. I, I think there's a, a, the results suggest that there's um, maybe less familiarity with the specifics of the proposal or the, as is often the case when you're dealing with public policy, the devil's in the details. And it, it really depends upon how a specific policy is written. So we had asked um, another uh, series of questions related to school choice. Um, which um, from the outset I do need to acknowledge contained a factual error in that mm -hmm. we um, included uh, charter schools as a, one of the potential uses for um, school choice funding when that's not the case because as uh, public schools, charter schools don't charge tuition and so it's, there wouldn't be that financial transaction. Um, that said, we did kind of explain the um, proposal under consideration about uh, taking the uh, approximately $8,000 that the state of Idaho spends on K-12 education um, and allowing uh, parents to choose whether to take that money and spend it on a religious school or a private school. Um, and we did include charter schools as one of those, as right. I said, so it could impact the results here, but about 49% said that they would favor it, 43% said they would oppose it, but when we followed up and asked, you know, would your support change um, if it left public school budgets with lower overall budgets, then we saw some movement between those uh, positions where uh, the support uh, potentially declined about 12 points, opposition potentially rose about uh, nine points. And so the specifics of how a school choice policy is written can impact the level to which Idahoans would support it. And so um, it really depends upon what the final 
policy under consideration looks like um, as far as how Idahoans would be receptive to it or not. And it really gets to the crux of the debate about how would an education savings account program be, be put together and what would it mean in terms of, of public school funding? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it does. And um, I think that's something that um, our results show matter quite a, quite a bit. And so I think that's something that legislators are going to have to um, potentially take into consideration um, as they're working through what the specific policy um, would look like, because um, I think Idahoans are still learning about what necessarily school choice is as a concept. The specifics matter to them. And while um, you may present it one way and, and they'll be on board with that, but if you say, well, if we do this, and it hurts this over here, would you make would you be less supportive? They're saying yes, we would be less supportive. And so they want to make sure that uh, whatever the final policy looks like uh, maybe takes these competing considerations into concern and doesn't go too far in one way or the other. But I was interested in some of those numbers when you asked about uh, support for school choice if it affects public school funding. I mean, you did have 44% saying that that would Make the make them less likely to support school choice, but you had thirty four percent saying doesn't really matter, and you had fourteen percent saying they'd actually be more likely to support school choice if it uh, defunded public education to some extent. Yeah, and typically what we saw in those numbers were um, if somebody was already in favor, they would probably be more likely to say it would have no impact or. Um, you know, maybe a couple would say, well, that makes me more supportive. And at the same time, if you were opposed to the policy already and you found out it would hurt schools, um, they're more they're a little more likely to say less supportive. And um, so we tended to see the numbers break down this way. And so um, we also noticed a, a rather strong party effect where uh, Democrats were uh, respondents were a little more likely to say that they would be less supportive. About 69 percent uh, of Democrats uh, in our survey said they'd be less supportive. Uh, 46% of Republicans said it would have no impact, so they tended to be a little bit um, more supportive of the proposal. Uh, Independents were a a little more split between no impact and less supportive. So what we were really interested in is uh, kind of where that more support or less support came from. Did did, uh, the less support come from the people that favored it? Did the more support come from the people that were opposed to it? You know, what uh, proportion did it cause to change positions, mm-hmm. so to speak. And so what we found is that um, when we considered these two questions in tandem, uh, about 12% out of that 49% uh, that favored it said that they would be less supportive. So they could potentially have shifted from um, favor to oppose. And about 4% of the uh, respondents that said that they uh, opposed the plan said that they would be more supportive. And so they could potentially have shifted from uh, opposed to favor. And so based on that shift, we're looking at, um, you know, more or less a seven point swing from our initial answer there. Um, and that's generally where we would uh, try to gauge what the impact of that specific um Specifically, if mm-hmm. public school budgets were hurt by the policy, what that impact would be and where that more support or less support would come from. Um, so the net effect was an, an erosion of support to some extent when you put the two questions together. Yes, that, that, that was um, overall. So you, you could go from that for, uh, what was it, from that 49, 43 per, uh, percent split to a kind of uh, 
split in favor of oppose. And so now that said, that's assuming that more support or less support means they switch position from favor to oppose. We can't actually say that because you can be less supportive and still favor it, but um, it stands to reason that one can infer that if you're less supportive, you're you're likely to have shifted your position somewhat. Um, and so, you know, we we do just want to add that caveat in there on top of the, the inclusion of charter schools in the question wording to begin with. But we do think that that anal analysis was uh, useful or will be useful for policymakers as they kind of navigate the various ways they can approach this policy. And, and you touched on a little bit the was there a party split on some of these school choice questions? And also, was there a geographic split to any degree on, on the school choice questions? Sure. So um, geographically speaking, the support was highest in the um, area up in the Spokane media market, so mm -hmm. northern Idaho, Kootenai County, in that general area. They were about 10 to 15 points more um, likely to favor school choice proposals than other areas of the state. Um, that was the only major geographic standout on in terms of support for the um, school choice proposal. In terms of party effect, um, kind of like I alluded to earlier, uh, Democrats were overwhelmingly opposed. 77% of Democrats um, said that they would oppose a school choice plan. 60% uh, of Republicans said that they would favor a plan, so that they kind of swung the other way. And independents were uh, a little closer, but still ultimately favoring the plan, 51% compared to 41% opposed. So um, generally you saw Democrats oppose, Republicans favor, and independents a little more evenly balanced, but slightly um, in favor, um, more so than opposed. I want to take a couple minutes and shift to another education question that, that I thought was interesting because it's, it's a perception question. It's about how do Idahoans feel about what happens to high school graduates and, and do they stay in the state? Do they do they study and work elsewhere? I mean, it's, it's really kind of how do people view the state of the state and you know the state of graduating classes and, and what happens to you know high school grads? Yeah, and, and a lot of this gets at the the concept of a potential brain drain where Idaho students graduate high school and leave to give the the benefit of their education somewhere else. Um, rather than staying in the state. And so we were really interested in trying to zero in on how widespread that perception is. And uh, for the most part, uh, Idahoans are split with a sizable portion um, not really knowing one way or the other. 41% said that they believe that most Idaho students graduate high school and stay to live and work in Idaho. About 36% say that they leave to live and work in other states. 23% uh, just weren't sure uh, one way or the other. Um, again, that's that's a rather close margin. It's uh, outside our margin of error, but it but it is still um, rather close, and there's a sizable portion that um, isn't sure. So there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding there. But we do see some regional effects where uh, the Spokane media market and the Idaho Falls media market were the most likely to answer that uh, their students leave. Um, and go somewhere else. They were about 10 points higher than other areas of the state, both about 40% uh, in favor of uh, that students leave Idaho. Um, we also saw a rather interesting divergence in opinions between uh, longtime residents of Idaho that have lived here 10 years or more versus those that have come to the state within the last 10 years or so. Um, they were similar to one another in the proportion that thinks students stay, about 40% of both groups, uh, but longtime residents 
we're about 12 points more likely to say that students leave versus newcomers. So 38% of longtime residents answered that the students leave and go to other states. Um, only 26% of newcomers said that they leave and go to other states. So it is kind of viewed as a more pronounced problem mm -hmm. among longtime residents who maybe have seen their children or grandchildren leave the state more so than the new arrivals that have just come here within the last decade. And it feels kind of going full circle to where we started. It feels like a question that has overtones about the direction of the state, the state of the economy, the state of the job market, because that's going to be such a driving force about what high school graduates uh, wind up doing. Absolutely. It all kind of feeds into a sense of community and culture and kind of how bright one's future is. And if you perceive that you're um, children are graduating school and going elsewhere, then you, you may perceive their future as less bright, which means you may be a little more pessimistic in the, the direction of the state or the economic uh, conditions that the state's likely to experience because um, you're seeing that subtraction without necessarily a, a corresponding um, increase or investment uh, into um, that same community. And so I think it, it's tapping into that same level of concern and, and it's maybe driving some of the answers, but um, it's, it's one of those perceptual questions that um, is one of those that, we, that we'd like to maybe not every year, but, but keep checking in on to see if that improves over time. Um, but certainly it's on the minds of Idahoans. Well, Dr. May, as always, the survey gives us a lot of material to work with, a lot of a sense of where Idahoans stand and how Idahoans view the state at this point. So as always, interesting to have a chance to talk to you further about uh, about the numbers and, and the findings. And hopefully we'll be doing this again in about a year from now. <laughs> I, I look forward to it. Thanks for having me, Kevin. Thank you. Again, that was Matthew May, the survey research director for the School of Public Service at Boise State University. Another busy week at uh, the State House, which means it was another busy week at IdahoEdNews.org. Let me catch you up on a couple of the highlights from the week. If you want to call it the school choice debate, if you want to call it the debate about putting public dollars into private education, whatever your preference, the debate started to uh, take some shape in the Senate Education Committee this week. Monday, we saw a proposed constitutional amendment introduced that would strike the Blaine Amendment. Now, the Blaine Amendment, as you probably know, is the constitutional amendment that bans the use of public dollars for any religious-based enterprise, including religious education. On Tuesday, we saw the first uh, hearing on a bill that would create education savings accounts uh, similar to the Arizona Education Savings Account Program. Neither of those bills got a, a, a full hearing in Senate education. These were just the print hearings, the introductory hearings. So we would anticipate a full hearing and a lot of debate in committee in the days to come or the weeks to come. We just saw the beginning of it uh, this week in the Senate Education Committee. State Superintendent Debbie Critchfield was making the rounds this week, uh, spoke in favor of Idaho Launch. This is the... Um, well, it's either called a scholarship program, depending on who you want to listen to, or a grant program. Either way, you want to use that terminology. That's a bill that would create $8,500 in incentives for high school graduates. Uh, the bill passed the House Education Committee pretty narrowly, however. Uh, we have a full story about that. Uh, Sadie Dittenberg and I also have a story on the University of Idaho and the abortion controversy. And we write about a controversy that didn't get as much play uh, late summer, early fall, 
We took, took a closer look at it. it. It kind of stems from a story written by a high school student in New York City. Uh, it became a political uh, controversy, a little bit under the surface, not as widely discussed as the U of I's memo to staff about uh, not counseling students, not counseling employees about abortion and reproductive options. This was a little bit more of a behind-the-scenes look. It's a story we've been working on for a while. You can find that one at idoednews.org. Uh, Sadie and I are at the State House daily, uh, providing uh, ongoing coverage of the legislative session. So check us out daily at idoednews.org. Uh, more at idoednews.org that you might want to check out. Darren Savan takes a closer look at vaping in schools and Carly Flandro has the latest on the back and forth between the Idaho School Boards Association and Attorney General Raul Labrador over LGBTQ policies in the school. So you can find out all those stories at idahoednews.org. You can follow us on Twitter at idahoednews.org. Look for tweets on any breaking news items and links to our latest stories. Uh, follow us on Facebook and comment on our stories there. And check back for another edition of the podcast. I'm Kevin Richard. Have a good week. 